Welcome to the Zenove Podcast. You're listening to our Business Resilience Series, where we bring to you conversations between eminent industry stalwarts and thought leaders from across the globe as they discuss their insights on overcoming challenges and the mindset that help them navigate the journey of crisis, resilience, and growth. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another exciting episode of Zenove Podcast, Business Resilience Series. I'm Pari Natarajan, CEO of Zenove, your host for this episode. We are in this era of artificial intelligence and generative AI is ushering a new set of technology innovations. Um, it's said that it's going to be bigger than internet in some level. Um, and this is fascinating what changes we have seen in the last six months, be it in terms of newer use cases, it's creating the disruption it could potentially create in a short term in terms of job losses. And, and, and one of the number one questions in every boardroom, be it your large enterprise or a mid-market company, it's about what is the company's opportunities around generative AI and is that any of the business is going to get disrupted by generative AI. And third is how do I now improve my productivity of my organization and do uh, more with less and how do I use AI to drive that? So lots of interesting conversation. We haven't seen the global technology narrative being hijacked by one such technology uh, in a long, long time. Uh, so going with that, we are going to have a very interesting conversation with a couple of senior leaders, thought leaders in this area. Um, we have Chetan Dubey, CEO of Amelia, and, and Lanham Napier, president of Amelia. Chetan, a mathematician, has been recognized as one of the nine greatest AI minds in the world to keep an eye on by Forbes. Uh, he has led Amelia since its inception and has steered the company to create a radical shift in the way IT is managed. Lanham joined Amelia in Jan 2023 as part of the strategic partnership between Amelia and Lanham's Bill Group. A consumer global leader, Lanham has been recognized by Forbes as one of America's most powerful CEOs under age of 40 and under. And I guess Lanham, that was a while ago. Welcome, <laughs> welcome, Chetan and Lanham. It's great to have you with us today. Well, thank you for having us, Pari. Without further ado, let's dive in. Uh, Chetan, Amelia has been in the forefront of AI, and the AI landscape has been evolving at a raw speed, right? And with the emergence of generative AI and ChatGPT, what are the implications do you anticipate this will have for Amelia? And how is your team preparing to address these changes? Yeah, Barry, you've known us for a little while. And as Turing purists, we have been saying since, I remember in 2015, we said that by 2025, digital labor will become indistinguishable from human labor. And as you pointed out at the onset of this uh, podcast, that with the advent of generative, that has transformed into reality. Generative has been around in that whole 10-year period that we have been seeing this trend coming. Go back to, if you just look at the generative technologies itself, and you would forgive my preoccupation with numbers. As a mathematician, I just like to be able to go to, what do the numbers tell you? Elmo, language models. All cartoon characters, we kept running out of them. But BERT, uh, with a bidirectional as opposed to unidirectional Elmo, you now look at bidirectional encoder models. What was the parameter size for BERT? 345 million. From that, you graduated to Turing ML uh, that was from Microsoft. And now you were looking at a parameter side of about 10 billion to 17 billion. 
And then comes GPT 3.5, 175 billion parameters. And GPT 4, over 1.1 trillion parameters. So you can see the curve, 345 to 10 to 175, all the way to over a trillion. So what happens, the hallucinations go down, the amount of entropies in the recall and reinforcement learning with human feedback tend to diminish, and you start to get to much more convergence with realistic sounding output. That's where we are. Now, the question for us to be able to see is that, so we have seen this coming. We've been following and we've been actually active participants in this, as we have seen from bidirectional LSTMs to where GPT has come along now. The question is, what will happen with these generative technologies? You are going to see not just OpenAI, you are going to see BARD, you're going to see Stability AI, you're going to see Cohere, you're going to see LLAMA, you're going to see Amazon's LLMs, you're going to see LLAMAs, by the way, from Meta. Is there going to be a big distinction between the output that you go to BARD right now and ask a question, go, go to GPT-4 or go to Anthropic and ask a question, and you start to see that the variances between the outputs will start to diminish with time. And within the last, within the next six months, by the end of the year, you will start to see, wow, these LLMs are getting fairly sophisticated and becoming very, very exact. Obviously, we used to have bottom 10% um, of the uh, law exams, now top 10% of the law exams. So, of course, we can see they are becoming fairly sophisticated, but they are also becoming fairly commoditized. That's what will happen. This will be a very foundational technology that just about everything, everybody will leverage. The question is, what do you do with this generative? And what can you build on top of this generative? For instance, I ask you, can you take the output of generative? Can you actually have a natural language compiler that understands what was the output of generative? And can you raise that to the power of cognitive to be able to push button print your digital employees? not just in what will become commoditized generative technologies. And that's where our focus is, is to be able to see how Amelia can leverage and harness the power of these technologies that we've been following and actually been involved in researching and raise them to the power of cognitive to be able to address the needs of the industry. Oh, very interesting, Chetan. So it's really when, when the gender AI gets commoditized and it's easily available across all the different hyperscaler and other platforms then the differentiation is going to be uh, understanding that context of the enterprise solve problem and be able to build solutions which is going to solve the real world problem, right? So it's, it's very interesting. And Lanham, could you give us some examples of how Amelia AI platform has helped organizations are in, in kind of creating this kind of impact? And how do you even measure success uh, and ensure that that platform continues to deliver value because the, the level of disruption on technology, like what Jaden said, uh, it's things are getting commoditized quite rapidly and the customer expectation on value, I'm pretty sure are also changing on a regular basis. Yeah, it is. So uh, an easy way to think about the application of this emerging tech is, you know, companies just need to get AI into their digital workflows. I mean, we went from, a, with the internet, we all went from, you know, call it a, a spreadsheet paper-based process, you know, into a digital process. Like the, the, basically the cloud gave us a ton of SaaS. And what's happening now is AI is going to give us smart SaaS and we're going to get AI in all our workflows. So a good example, you know, inside of Amelia today with the tech that Chayton and Amelians have built is, you know, what we do for a customer like Vodafone. So, you know, 
the measurement we use is containment, right? These are in inside of call centers where a customer calls in, you know, has a question, has a problem, wants resolution. You know, these are hundreds of thousands of calls a day. And, and Amelia learns, you know, the AI learns once it's inside a customer's workflow and starts to solve 60% of the calls that show up. You know, so when we think about from a business point of view, just the productivity boost there, it's pretty shocking. You know, that, and, and this, these are early days. I mean, while the LLMs have been around and while, um, you know, the technology has been around, it's the, the rate, uh, the, the curve that changes took us through, you know, shows us how fast it's improving. So today when systems are knocking out over half the problems that show up, you know, there'll be a day where it's knocking out almost all the problems that show up. And the productivity boost, you know, the application of that tech in a business, when you think about, you know, output per employee or whatnot. Now, what's an employee? That's going to be an interesting thing to define. You know, Chait was just talking about digital employees. But I think net-net means getting AI into a workflow and solving problems is what all is what is going to happen inside of businesses. Very interesting. And Chaitan, you talked about newer applications you're building on top of generative AI, right? And, and Lanham talked about 60% of the problems are getting automated completely. But if you look at the role of a call center agent, and it's moved from a call center agent solving a customer problem to somebody who can continue to upsell offering into the customer. And the role has been transforming over a period of time. So now I'm going to automate 60% of the calls without a human touch. I'm, I'm going to resolve it. And hopefully it will get to about 100% of that. Now you have you lose an opportunity for a human touch with the customer, right? Do you see that the technology evolving in a way that Amelia is able to also take on a role of adding new revenue rather than saying, I'm going to solve the problem as soon as possible, but I'm going to upsell XYZ based on what the customer is looking for? Or you see a world where there is a different engagement model for the individual physical agent will will work with customers. How do you see that technology evolving? And it'd be great to hear your roadmap around these. Pari, that's a great question. The applications are going to be so profound that the human touch, one of the things that you pointed out, are you really going to be able to distinguish whether you are talking to a human being or whether you're talking to a digital? Are you going to be able to distinguish whether you're talking to a carbon hydrogen nitrogen form as opposed to a silicon gallium arsenide form? These these technologies will emulate humans. And I think why, because Turing had it right when he was just before 1950s, he had said that you will not be able to distinguish between the two. The need for human contact would be addressed by these technologies that will be empathetic and sympathetic and have all the emotions that you can find in humans. And they will grow with you and they will have a personalization to be able to understand what body likes and does not like and be able to graduate with time and to be able to have that vector of empathy with you that will actually resonate with you. The bad OCC models today allow us to be empathetic with a person, whether it's a customer or whether it's a person or whether it's a personal concierge, you will see that empathy vector and sympathy vector growing. Bad OCC, sorry, is the pleasure arousal of dominance, three-dimensional model that tries to capture human sentiment. So that's, that's the evolution of the technology and the roadmap of the technology. We've never been more excited about the futures of uh, where we are going to be able to participate. And if you allow a moment of immodesty, where we'd be able to lead the industry. The biggest part of the future, which Lanham has been a very strong advocate of, why is AI mostly weaponized by the big enterprises that can afford it? Why can, can we take AI downstream, the SMB segment? 
and eventually go down to the consumer layer? Can we disintermediate and can we actually, much abused word, can we actually democratize AI? Can, can you be a pastry chef owner in San Francisco and say, I want to be able to get my inventory manager. Please uh, send me my digital employee that does inventory management for you, for me. Can you have a bicycle shop and can you say, I want to uh, make uh, appointments for um, the bicycle uh, consumers to be able to make appointments for me and uh, please have an employee Tom created for me that can do appointments uh, for me. Can you build these models and can you truly democratize AI? Can you make them available push button to the SMB segments and tomorrow to the consumer segments? That is one of the biggest directions that we are very excited about the future of the platform. In AI ops itself, I mean, I think there is a bunch of threads that we are researching and we are actually going to be bringing to the industry. That will um, be mind boggling. Very interesting, Chetan, so in terms of the opportunity with small business and consumer in some level, in the future, the human is not going to call into the call center of an enterprise. The human's agent, the AI agent is going to say, hey, I need to now change my flight ticket. And then that's calling into the enterprise. So the, yeah. the AI on both sides is interfacing with each other to be able to enable that. So it's like in some level, the human is not even involved in that, um, in that interaction. That's right. And you talked about SMB and Lanham, you know, that's an area where you're fascinated about you. And I know you build great businesses, um, which are multi-billion dollar businesses uh, in that area. And one hypothesis we have is um, we are in the verge of, in the end of industrial revolution, right? So the last 200, 300 years is, it's relatively um, a very short period in the evolution of humans where we organize ourselves into large companies. And then people were asked to do mundane roles because Ford built an assembly line and then made everybody to do a very small part of the work instead of using human ingenuity. Now with AI, uh, and you're talking about applying to the small business, in some level, a small business could be an, an autonomous small business where somebody has a great idea but everything around in building the business and running the business can be automated, right? It's, it's, how do you see that AI playing a role in SMB? And you built SMB business 20 years ago and today, like what's changing? First of all, it's super fascinating. And what I, I'll tell you the story I tell myself what I want to believe is that access to this uh, emerging tech is a great leveler. And what I mean there is, you know, if an entrepreneur has an idea and can somehow automate you know, a lot of the tasks and activities inside the firm. I think we end up with, with basically a new type of firm. Because, you know, one of the questions on my mind for years has been what comes after the corporation? You know, we sort of started with, you know, Italy with the Medici's, with the family business, family partnership thing. And then just the innovation of, an or of a corporation itself was a heck of a good thing for humanity. You know, look what we've got now in terms of economic systems and business outcomes. And I've always kind of wondered what's next. Well, what the internet started to do was enable a small firm to have a global supply chain literally from their living room. You know, what the pandemic taught us, <clears throat> pardon me, is that we can have labor pools uh, decentralized and distributed all over the place. And I, what, I think what AI is going to enable us to do is do the same thing with those digital workflows we talked about earlier. Is that as a small firm, you know, with the uh, ubiquitous connectivity of information and putting intelligence in those workflows with AI, 
I think a small firm is going to be able to tap into scale they never had before. And with this is why I kind of think it's a little bit of a leveler. You know, and, and the interesting thing that Chayton just referenced that I'm not sure everybody caught is today the advantage in AI is for the big firm, right? The, the guy that's got the huge enterprise IT department and uh, an army of developers and all the world's data, right? Because part of the little trick here is, you know, without interesting data, you know, AI is kind of worthless, right? So the, so the question for the small firm is, you know, what's the interesting data they can get their hands on, whether they're taking a vertical approach or not. I mean, you know, that to me is the, the conundrum for the small firms. My prediction there is that, you know, we will, we will see organizations rise that are basically data brokers for interesting verticals for people to get, you know, consumption data or production data or whatever one requires to launch a new firm in that area. So we're seeing some of these pieces come together now, but my prediction is just that there will be ecosystems that form for SMBs to aggregate the power of data and access AI as if they were a large enterprise. I think there's a big business opportunity in that. Because you've seen what cloud did for IT infrastructure. That's exactly what it did for small business, right? Everybody has access yep. to a massive infrastructure capability. What only the large companies, even 10 years ago, had expertise. And today, if you are... Uh, a designer, you don't have to work for a large fashion label. Right? You can have your use generative AI to create your designs, have it manufactured uh, in China, have it discovered in, in platforms built on Amazon and other platforms that toast, and then have the payment and all of that completely automated, right? including Amelia, using Amelia to be able to provide the complete integrated customer experience. So how far are we, if you think of a small business, if you think about the growth over the next 20 years, 30 years, right? Will the growth move from a corporate to small business, entrepreneurs to self-employees? And what is like the technology evolution we need to do to be able to get there? I think with Lanham coming on board, he's a master disruptor. By even as early as the next quarter, you'll start to see evidence of people being able to hire their digital employees. And what you will also see is that these are going to be very specialized employees that people will be able to get. You hire an employee. Are the employees able to do decision AI for you? Are the employees able to do human employees? Are they able to do trend analysis for you typically? They are so swamped with their day-to-day -day activity. Are they able to study all the digital exhaust to be able to understand what the construction of the NPS is, to be able to understand which causal factors are causing your customer experience to be good or bad? Not just the NPS was high or bad, but is it the price? Is it the customer experience? Is it the agent? Is it the, uh, the data center? Is it the technology? What caused you to have that so that you can neurosurgically adjust the NPS? Today, our human employees are so swamped, they're not able to do these trend analysis. They're not able to do decision AI. They're not able to mine the embedded intelligence from the digital exhaust that the digital counterparts of them, of theirs, are going to be able to see. So these are not just going to be digital employees that will just get the job done. They will also help the management with better business outcomes. They'll be able to read the digital exhaust, mine embedded intelligence, provide better decision AI outcomes, suggestions, and recommendations, implement them. The big question here is that where is the differentiation going to lie? As you look at more of the businesses, at the core of the business, I think this is obviously one of the largest bankers' uh, theory, their CEO, the core of banking, whether you go to 
JP Morgan or you go to Wells Fargo, or you go to Bank of America, the constant theory is that the core of banking is getting commoditized. You get just about the same. If you're, you're not getting a very wildly different interest rate for a 5-1 adjustable mortgage. So where is the difference? The differentiation as the core starts getting commoditized. The focus of the organization is to be able to use their digital employees for the core. Start to leverage the power of generative race to the power of cognitive for the core of your organizations. The core, the base part, the commoditized part of your organization, the nuts and bolts of your organization. The differentiation will start percolating up to the edge. That differentiation is where you should focus your human employees to. Human employees should focus on multimodal ways of attaching to your customer, better engagement models. How do we have better originations happen? How do we do the deconstruction of the NPS to be able to improve the customer experience? How do we create better engagement models for customers? This is the way the hybrid workforce can be the most effective for organizations. Take the commoditized part and move your human employees up the chain to the edge. And Shannon talked about commoditization on the at the bottom and then moving people people to the edge. And which also means that when customers buy Amelia, are they looking at to buy for commoditizing their core? Are they looking at verticalized capabilities, verticalized solutions? So how are you going to market? Are you going to market different verticals? Like your, your, your value prop for bank is different to an industrial company or a telecom company. How, how are you thinking about the business? Oh, yeah, this is a, a super fascinating thing. And, and I think right now what's happening in the market is the technology is expanding at such a rate. The short answer is people want to do both. Like right? People want a vertical approach that's super tailored to what they're doing. And then the reality is there's also generalizable stuff across industries. Okay, so when, when we think about, you know, what is Amelia doing about this inside of Amelia? You know, we, we talk, Chait and I talk about having Amelia run Amelia. So when Chaitin's talking about, you know, inside the core, right, you know, to use the digital employees, like this is what we're trying to do for ourselves. You know, we figure we got to dog food it ourselves, right? I mean, we're going to talk to customers about how it works. I mean, we got to do it with, inside our own company first. All right. And so the, the principle is, you know, to tie it back to Chaitin's comments, I think there is this generalizable core where digital employees, applied AI, uh, those, there's some set of tasks there and processes there that that's a, a square hit. Where things get really powerful vertically is never underestimate the, the importance of domain expertise. You know, there is nuance and there is value created in these little changes, you know, across companies and across industries. And so this is a part where, you know, for our for the product we're building for customers, we absolutely think about tailoring Amelia by industry. We absolutely do. When we look at the data we use in the models and how they're applied, understanding how that happens. In, within an industry matters because that's where the from which the context flows, right? If we don't understand what industry we're doing, like the context is very different in healthcare versus banking versus retail versus hospitality. So the verticals help us with the context. The technology ought to provide a productivity and quality boost for all the companies. And then, you know, the way we lead the way is we do it for ourselves first. Got it. And, and for a product company like Amelia, it's very hard for you to build all of these vertical expertise because the domain capability is different. Are you stretching partnerships around that to bring in that vertical know-how? Like what's your partner ecosystem will look like? What is it today? How is it going to look like? Yeah, we're going to expand it. <clears throat> the reality is partners are critical 
you know, in a vertical. And I think this is true, man, probably for, you know, whether we're a service company or a product company, I mean, generally speaking, nobody has the whole package. Nobody knows everything. And, you know, as, as industries develop, expertise matters. And so partnerships really matter. So, you know, for us, I mean, we have advisory partners, we have system integrator partners, we have, uh, you know, services partners, all that is critical because, you know, industries do operate, I mean, differently, a regulated industry versus a non-regulated industry. There's a big difference. You know, the government versus business, there's a big difference. You know, so the reality is partners play a critical role for us. And, you know, and we are dependent upon these partners. You know, I guess the telecom expression would be the last mile. I would tell you from a product point of view, I think they are doing more than the last mile. You know, these folks are critical. Uh, got it. And, and Chetan, um, jumping onto the you know the technology side, like one of the concerns people have is around the ethical nature of the AI we are building. You know, the biases which would be built in based on the training data, what they, what you're going to have. Um, so, what are steps Amelia is taking to ensure that your AI platform is free from biases around race and gender and age and orientation and other factors? Is that something of something you are focusing at your level or you think that's something that has to be done by the base models which you think you said is getting commoditized where does that innovation and focus reside yeah i think um, lanham has been a big advocate of that and i think it has raised the awareness since joining hands with him about and in fact the chairwoman of ai at uh, davos also had asked us to be able to focus on ethics and ai and actually um, we need to be able to programmatically enforce good value. We go to the church ourselves, we need to be able to make sure that Amelia goes to church or whichever in temple or institution that you fancy. We need to be able to make sure that these good ethics are programmatically enforced. We have, from the basic toxicity, we teach our children that toxicity, some things and four letter words are not good words to use. We need to be able to make sure that the, that basic training to the basic civilities Two good behaviors are programmatically enforced in the fabric of uh, these technologies. It's very important right now. We are getting to that very interesting point in time when it could go one of the two ways. I was walking my son down the driveway to collect the newspaper and he turned to me and he asked me, Dad, I said, Dad, are you going to be a robo-dad? That's a very scary thought. Uh, you, you really want to try and make these systems be serving humanity to be able to get a much better life for humanity. And to do that, we need to make sure that these systems have got good ethics, good values. And we are very, very serious about making sure that every part of the, every module of Amelia starts to have that ethical compass. And we maintain that ethical barometer that we are always going towards the side of good, as opposed to straying towards the side of what might be bad, whether it's business value bad or societal bad, we need to be able to make sure that we enforce that. And it's very important that all AI systems and that there is an AI consortium that Musk has also advocated about the fact that we teach these systems the good ethics. And and this is going to be different for different countries, a different perspective on what 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 is ethical and, and with human evolution. And that has been changing even within same cultures, right? And and how is that, you know, what what will be the the role of sovereign uh, compliance and then how would you ensure that the products are kind of compliant across all of these different, as you become a more global, global company? Yeah, well, this is where uh, when we think about markets, you know, up to this point in time, markets are primarily, you know, comprised of people. 
you know, what, what we were talking about earlier in this podcast is having all these, you know, personal AIs, you know, actually functioning in the market. Okay. So I, I would just tell you, um, as a, a entrepreneur and, you know, closet technologist here, I just think this market's going to need help. It's going to need help just like every other market. And when Chayton's talking about the need for technologists to embed your know, values uh, and ethics into these systems, I think that's exactly right. And your, your point, Pari, about, well, you know, ethics and values are different across different societies. You know, that's interesting, too. And so what I, I tell you, what I want to believe is that diversity is a strength, that different perspectives, you know, make things better. The, the rapid development open source software, you know, I think is a proof point around the value of communities uh, with diverse points of view in it. All right. And, and so my hunch here is that I'm on the utopian side of things. I think there's plenty of risk in what we're doing. But I think we will discover a framework, you know, and, and I, th I think that framework will help advance this and keep us safe. Now, nothing's perfect. You know, prepare for foot faults and, you know, stepping on problems. OK, it, it will uh, officially happen. There's no doubt about that in my mind. But I think, you know, we will wake up uh, in the future with, you know, this next wave of an amazing piece of technology that human humanity innovated and built. Then I think this platform itself will innovate on its own which that will be a pretty darn amazing thing, which is why the regulation and the guidance matters. Um, and, and, you know, we'll wake up with more jobs on the other side, but things will absolutely be disrupted in the short term. I don't have any doubt about that. You know, things are going to change rapidly. But the good news about humanity is we're pretty darn adaptable. You know, one thing about us, you know, throughout different cultures and time periods is me and Humanity figures a way to adapt and overcome. I think this will be the same thing for us. So, Lanham, you have made a you know major uh, investment and bet on Amelia, right? And what are the key decisions for you to get into Amelia? And how do you see the future of Amelia kind of growing? And 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 how do you see that shaping the growth of the company? AI shaping the growth of the company and success. Yeah. So, so for us at Bill Group, you know, Amelia is a. a important investment for us, you know, so I moved in with Chayton here for a little while on that deal. Okay. And I, I think our mission and purpose is, is, you know, pretty straightforward. We, we think Amelia is incredibly well positioned in the industry. You know, it's, it's uh, you know, Chayton's like one of the godfathers running around in AI. Okay. And, and so the company's got incredible customers, really cool tech. And we're sitting here on the launch pad um, as things accelerate. And, and so when we think about, you know, why we made the investment and what gets us excited, it's that plus the millions, like the people inside of Amelia that work here. They're they're uber cool. I mean, they're they're fantastic people. OK, and, and so our 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 investment thesis is all about, man, we're going to we want to have a voice and a role in helping shape this industry in this markets to do great work for customers and employees. I mean, that is really for us that simple. And I think the role that AI is going to play in it, uh, the technology itself is how do we apply it inside of Amelia? You know, we've touched on this a little bit earlier in the podcast around having Amelia run Amelia, you know, inside that core, right? And having the Amelians do those differentiating things that only they can do, you know, that the machine is, is not, doesn't, it lacks that human touch or lacks that, you know, crazy Ivan outcome way of thinking, you know, and, and, and we plan on, you know, being a role model and industry leader in that. And so we're grateful, you know, to, to be part of it. I, I think the timing's, you know, incredible. I mean, all of a sudden, AI is on everybody's mind, and here we are, you know, inside a company with a leadership position, you know. And I, I think that we, our our belief here is whether it's a, a SMB or an enterprise, you know, people want to be safe, they want to capture the power of this technology, 
They want to deliver better outcomes, you know, to their customers, their employees and shareholders. I think AI companies specifically are going to help other companies do that. Amazing. And, and, uh, and we have been tracking Amelia for the last several years and wish you the best in the investment. So thanks Lanham and Chetan for very interesting conversation. We touched upon a wide range of uh, topics in a very short period. And uh, Amelia has done a great job in continuing to be a leader, thought leader, and helping CIOs and CEOs um, decide on how they need to adopt this. Uh, you know, I, I would say a once in a century um, a kind of technology and wish you the very best to continue to lead the industry in, in driving those. I had a great conversation, both of you. And thank you for tuning in to this episode of Zeno Podcast. We'll be back with another episode, another leader soon. Till then, take care and stay curious. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Business Resilience Series. Stay tuned for more such interesting episodes. You can listen to our podcast on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast from. To know more about Zenove, visit our website, www.zenove.com, or drop us a note at info at zenove.com. Follow us on Twitter at Zenove for regular updates on our content. Thank you again for listening to the Business Resilience Series of the Zenove Podcast.